Hello friend, I am so grateful you're here. Welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast season three. This season we're taking time to better understand who the women in the New Testament are and their experiences. We will learn more of them, their story, and how Jesus Christ tutored their lives. We will learn more about how much Jesus Christ loves women. For the first 90 days of the season, you can also listen to a second weekly episode. We will be discussing the Book of Mormon. If you aren't aware of the Book of Mormon study group, check out the show notes or my website, todayiamenough.com, and you can sign up. We're reading the Book of Mormon from January 1st to March 31st. Each week, I will share my thoughts on the weekly reading and what I took away from it. Welcome to this episode. <laughs> Thanks for being patient today if you were waiting live. we. We're a little slow to get this one up today, but we are here. We are reading Second Nephi chapter 11 through 29. There were several smaller chapters in here, so it feels like it was a lot of chapters. Well, it was a lot of chapters, but hopefully you've been able to get a lot of them done. Uh, we have a chunk in here that are the Isaiah chapters, and oh, I was going to bring it up to show my podcast listeners, but or YouTube listeners, watchers. Uh, but I will link a book of Mormon. That's so neat. I think I've talked about it, but it breaks down the book of Mormon. So you can see who's talking, like when Mormon's talking or when Jesus Christ is talking and it's just a great tool. I actually ordered it and was using it for a little bit with my Isaiah chapters. It was so helpful. We are actually not talking about Isaiah chapters today. We are going to talk about Nephi's chapters today, and I'm really excited they're really great. So we are going to start in chapter 11, the very first chapter. So I didn't count these up. I should have, but there's only eight verses and Nephi talks about his soul being delighted. And I just think it's so wonderful. I love it. So we start off verse one. He says that uh, Jacob spake many more things to the people because we've just been reading in second Nephi, but it's been Jacob speaking. And verse two, and now I, Nephi, write more of the words of Isaiah, for my soul delighteth in his words. So I think it's hard for us because Isaiah can be hard to understand, but we are told from Nephi that these words were written for us and that if we have the spirit with us, we will be able to know the words of Isaiah, which I think we can as we prayerfully study as we use the footnotes, as we we can even compare to the Bible or use helps, I think we can understand the words of Isaiah. And I love that his soul delighteth in his words. And I want you to think about this for a minute. Does your soul delight in hearing the words of President Hinckley or President Monson or even old, older prophets than that, like Joseph Smith? Do you love listening or hearing or reading those words of those prophets that have passed. This is why Nephi loved those prophets or loved Isaiah specifically is because these are the words that he was taught growing up. This is the prophet that his father would have been teaching him. And he was a Jew and he understood these words and these comparisons and different things like that. So I think as we think about this and like, how could his soul delight in Isaiah? I think we need to remember what, who, who do our hearts connect with and who is the prophet or apostles current or past that your soul just connects with. And I think that's what it is. And so I think it's important that we 
strive to understand the words of Isaiah because Nephi put a lot of them in here and there's a reason. And we are the ones that this book is written for, which means we are the ones that can understand Isaiah. And so as we prayerfully read, we can have our souls delight in Isaiah also. Okay, so verse four, Nephi goes on and says, Behold, my soul delighteth in providing unto the people the truth of the coming of Christ. For to this end hath the law of Moses been given and all things which have been given for God. So his soul delights in um, providing unto the people the truth of the coming of Christ. So he wants his people to know that Jesus Christ is coming. In this case, they are waiting for the birth of Jesus Christ. And he, uh, Nephi often testifies of Jesus Christ. And so that is another thing. So his soul delights in prophets, in Isaiah, and in telling his people about the coming of Christ. And then verse five, this verse is so loaded. <laughs> And also my soul delighteth in the covenants of the Lord, which hath been made to our fathers. Yea, my soul delighteth in his grace and in his justice and power and mercy in the great and eternal plan of deliverance from death. Okay, so first of all, his soul delights in the covenant of the Lord, which had made, been made with our fathers. So that could be the covenants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that we talked about last year and come follow me with the Old Testament and relatable to ourselves, our souls can delight in the covenants in the temple. And those covenants that we have made are baptismal covenants. And as we frequently attend the temple and frequently partake of the sacrament, we can be reminded of those covenants that we have made and better understand them and seek his help so that our soul can delight in covenants. His next after covenants was his soul delighted in his grace, in the grace of Jesus Christ Emily Bell Freeman has a fantastic, uh, what's the word, like a diagram of what grace looks like. And there's the saving grace, safe grace exalts and it saves. And through the atonement of Jesus Christ, we can be exalted and we can, through his atonement, we can be saved. And so his grace is really, really important in our lives. And it's something that as we learn more about, we can really reflect on and implement and take into our hearts as we know our Savior, Jesus Christ, more personally. After his grace is in his justice, which I th find interesting, justice would be that God has to be just, right? If he says the wicked are going to be, are going to be killed, then the wicked have to be killed because he's a just God. If he says that the righteous will be exalted, um, if we repent, then he will be just and he will do all that he can to get us to be with him again. He is a just God. And I love that his soul delights in that because I think that can give us hope that he's a just God and that he wants us to be with him. And so he provided the opportunity of having the atonement of Jesus Christ in our lives so that we could be with him again, so that there was a chance for us and power. So his soul delights in his grace, in his justice, and in his power. So the power that he is speaking of is the priesthood power given to all worthy members of the church through temple covenants. It is not just the power of the priesthood that we often talk about in the church. It is the power that is given to every worthy member of the church and president 
Nelson talked about this and challenged the women to understand their priesthood power more personally. I think it was in 2019. I did not look that up. I will try and link it in the show notes and look it up though. Um, so we need to remember that the power of the priesthood is given to all worthy temple worthy members who've been through the temple. And as we attend the temple, we can understand those, that power and covenants and how to utilize that power in our lives. The next thing he lists is mercy, the compassion of Jesus Christ, the compassion that Jesus can have towards us because of his atonement, because of the mercy that he has offered us. Uh, He loves you and he understands those struggles. He understands those things that you're going through. And so because of that, he has offered you mercy. And then his soul delights in the eternal plan of deliverance from death, which ultimately is the atonement of Jesus Christ, right? The eternal plan of deliverance from death is the atonement. And another thought that came to my mind is the plan of happiness. The plan of salvation is another plan of deliverance from death, right? The plan of happiness or salvation could be the plan of deliverance. I think that's... uh, Kind of a cool way to put it. Think of it. Okay. And then verse six, right away, my soul delighted in providing unto my people that save Christ should come. All man must perish. So he's saying he loves to teach that Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ does not come, then all is lost and we're all in a fallen place. But he loves, he loves to teach that Jesus Christ is coming. And so we are all going to be saved. We need him and his sacrifice and his atonement in our lives in order to be with him and have any chance of being saved. And that's something that Nephi loves to teach. So I'm going to read verse uh, seven so and eight, the last two. For if there be no Christ, there be no God. And if there be no God, then we are not. For there could have been no creation and there's no God and he's Christ. Christ and he cometh in the fullness of his own time. I always love things like that in the scriptures where they're like, well, if this isn't true, then this isn't true. Then this isn't true. (laughs) This isn't true. I think it's really powerful. Verse eight says, and now I write some of the words of Isaiah that whoso of my people shall see these words may lift up their hearts and rejoice for all men. Now, these are the words that you may liken unto you and unto all men. So he feels so powerful about Isaiah's words and that they can lift our hearts and help us rejoice and that we can liken them unto all men. And I just, I think that's so wonderful. I love Nephi's perspective and I love learning about the things that his soul delights in, but I think it's even more wonderful that he's not done telling us what his soul delights in. (laughs) So we're going to skip all the way to verse, or excuse me, to chapter 25. And learn more about what his soul delights in. In verse 5, he starts off, Yea, and my soul delighteth in the words of Isaiah. He's told us that three times. Isaiah's words are really important to him. For I came out of Jerusalem, and mine eyes have beheld the things of the Jews, and I know the Jews do not under I know the Jews do understand the things of the prophets, and there is none other people that understand the things which were spoken unto the unto the Jews like unto them, save it be that they were taught after the manner of the things of the Jews. So the Jews understand Isaiah, and that's where Nephi grew up, and that's what he understands, and that's what his soul delights in. So for just a minute, 
I want you to think of all of these things that Nephi's told us that his soul delights in. And I want you to think about what your soul delights in. What do you want your soul to delight in? Maybe you're not sure if your soul is delighted about certain things, but what would it be that your soul could delight in or that it yearns to delight in that maybe it doesn't yet? And what does that mean? What does it mean to have your soul delight? For me, it means that when I find something that brings like pure joy, I want to share it and not worry about what anyone besides God thinks about that. And I think it's important that we do that, especially now. I was just reminded of a quote by President Nelson, where he talks about how Satan has like quadrupled his um his like powers coming after us right now at this time in the these coming days of getting closer to the coming of Christ. And I think we need to find those things, especially spiritually, that our soul delights in so that we can come closer to Christ and come to know him. And that when adversity comes against us and our faith and our testimony, we can remember that there's things that we find joy in and purpose in as we read. So I would love for you to think about that, maybe write that down. And I think it's also important to remember that if your soul isn't delighting in something, like if you want your soul to delight in the words of Nephi or the words of Isaiah or the words of President Nelson, maybe pray for that. Pray that that delight can come and then work for it. It's important to remember to work for it. Verse eight, Nephi Nephi says towards the end, let's see. um, Well, at the beginning, these, they, wherefore they are worth unto the children of men. These words that he's saying that they have worth to us in that live in the last days. For I know that they shall be of great worth unto them in the last days. For in that day shall they understand them. Wherefore, for their good have I written them. So he's literally written these words for us because we are in the last days. (laughs) All right. Verse 13. Behold, they who crucify him and after he is laid in a sepulcher for the space of three days, he shall rise from the dead with healing in his wings. And all those who shall believe on his name shall be saved in the kingdom of God. Wherefore, my soul delighteth in prophecy concerning him, for I have seen his day, and my heart doth magnify his holy name. He delights in so many things. My soul delighteth in the prophecy concerning him. So Nephi just loves the prophecies reading about the prophecy. And I love that he shares often. He shares even back in first Nephi, when he asked to see the dream of his father, he was able to see Mary and Jesus coming forth and Jesus being put on the cross and rising from the dead. And he continually prophesies of that. And I think that shows that he really does delight in Jesus Christ and in the word of God. And I think It's something for us to strive for if we don't already. It's just learning more about Jesus Christ and the things that are to come, especially the things that are to come, but understanding the things that have happened as well. We are going to jump to, so we're still in verse or in chapter 25 and halfway through verse 20, it says, and as the Lord God liveth that brought Israel out of the land of Egypt and gave unto Moses power that he should heal the nations. After they had been bitten by the poisonous serpent, 
if they would cast their eyes into the serpent, which he did raise before them, and also gave him power that he should smite the rock in the water, shall should come forth. Yea, behold, I say unto you, that as these things are true, and as the Lord liveth, there is none other name given under heaven, save it shall be this, Jesus Christ, of which I have spoken, whereby men can be saved. I love that he says right in there in the middle, Behold, I say unto you, that as these things are true, he knows these things are true. He t- He's testifying of Jesus Christ all the time, but he's testifying right here of the miracle of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and all that he has done. And I just think it's so beautiful. In verse 23, uh, to believe in Christ and to be reconciled with God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. And notwithstanding, we believe in Christ we keep the law of Moses and look forward to the steadfastness unto Christ until the law shall be fulfilled. So uh, there's that famous scripture from the Book of Mormon. It is by grace that we are saved after all that we can do. I think a lot of times we think that means doing things on our own, but it doesn't. It means that we need to do our best to live the commandments and the covenants, but definitely believing in Christ, like it says, and keeping the law, which the law of the gospel is the law that we keep. So the law of Jesus Christ and his commandments and uh, going on in 25, we are made alive in Christ because of our faith. Yet we keep the law because of the commandments. So we need to believe, keep the commandments, uh, have faith and talk of Christ. 26, talk of Christ. Rejoice in Christ, preach of Christ, prophesy of Christ, and we write according to the prophecies that our children may know the source with which they can um, look for the remission of their sins. So we need to do all of those things. That's part of all that we can do, right? Talk of Christ, rejoice of Christ, preach of Christ, prophesy, write, and just like in your home is what it just says. Teach your children. Teach your children the scriptures. Teach your children who Jesus Christ is and why we pray to him and what they can do and what he can do for them. That's what this is all about. Repent, be baptized, and keep the commandments. It is the Sunday school answers. And the reason the Sunday school answers are the Sunday school answers is because they are so important. They are the line upon line. That is how we stay close to Christ is by those small and simple little things that we often overlook. And then in verse 28 and 29, he talks about how he's spoken plainly unto us. And I have spoken shall stand as a testimony against you, for they are sufficient to teach any man the right way. For the right way is to believe in Christ and deny him not. For by denying him, you also deny the prophets and the law. And now behold, I say unto you that the right way is to believe in Christ and deny him not. And Christ is the Holy One of Israel. Wherefore, you must bow down before him and worship him with all your might, mind and strength and your whole soul. And if you do this, ye shall in no wise be cast out. It's so important to believe. President Nelson gave a beautiful talk 
I believe it was in April of 2021, where he talked about faith and believing and how we just needed to have a desire to believe. And that was enough. So if faith is something that is hard for you, you just need a desire to believe. That's it. That is what a particle of faith is. It's just a desire. And as we strengthen that desire, as we have a desire to plant that seed and then do our best to grow that seed, it will grow. And we will be able to see that our faith is strengthened. Okay, I want to skip to chapter 26, verse 11. And it says, For the Spirit of the Lord will not always strive with men. And when the Spirit ceaseth to strive with men, then cometh speedy destruction and grieveth my soul. So in my margin, I put, we have to work to always have the Spirit with us. And I'm going to link in the show notes and in my podcast um, about a a uh, podcast interview Elder Bednar did with uh, Morgan from the All In podcast. And it is such a good episode. So I will have it linked. You guys need to go listen to it. Elder Bednar, All In, uh, the All In podcast by LDS Living. Sorry, my words are all jumbled right now. Elder Bednar talks about how we can discern whether it's the spirit or us. And he flat out says, it doesn't matter. And at first you're like, well, of course it matters. But he tells us that if we are a baptized member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, then we have been given the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost means that the spirit is always with us. He said, unless you are blatantly sinning, And you will know because the spirit will leave. If that is not the case in your life, then the spirit is with you. And so it doesn't matter if it's your thought or the spirit. I think as someone that has had anxiety, it's important to be able to discern like, is that my anxiety or is that the spirit? And I think oftentimes the spirit's warnings are very direct and not questioning. The spirit's not like, oh, is that, am I going to be safe? Are we all going to be okay? The spirit will tell you, do not go or yes, go do this. And sometimes we just get to decide, which is sometimes infuriating, but we need to remember that we have the gift of the Holy Ghost. We have the spirit always with us. And Elder Bednar tells us that if we are living so that spirit is with us, then we need to move forward with the thoughts that come to us, whether they are the spirit or our own brain, the Holy Ghost is guiding and helping us. And we will be stopped if it is wrong. Other Holland makes that very clear in one of his talks. There's even like a YouTube video about it. It's very clear. Sometimes we start down a path, but if it is wrong, we will be stopped. In that same chapter, 26, Let's see, 23 through 28. I'm not going to read all of it, but there's a few phrases that really stuck out to me. He says, and doth not anything say, he doeth not. Okay. Let's see. In verse 24 of chapter 26, he says, he doth doeth not anything, save it be for the benefit of the world, for he loveth 
the world, even that he laid down his own life, that he may draw all men unto him. Wherefore, he commandeth none that they shall partake of his salvation. I love that. He Everything Jesus Christ has done and does is for the benefit of the world because he loves the world. He loves all of us. And to the point where he laid down his life, he came to earth and he he atoned for all of our sins. He hung on the cross for all of our sins and he died. He experienced everything you've ever experienced and everything you will ever experience. And that's incredibly overwhelming for us to try and comprehend. But I think it's important to just remember on a personal level that he understands you don't have to sit in sadness and darkness and loneliness because he is there. And if you ask to just have some of that pain removed and ask to be able to feel of his love, it's often given to us. He loves to let us know that he loves us. In verse 25, it says, and he saith, come unto me. Come. He wants us with him. He wants us to be there. He hath commanded his people that they should persuade all men to repentance. In order to live with him, we need to repent. And he wants us there with him. So he wants us to help all men to repent and come unto him. Okay, chapter 27. This is comparing to Isaiah 29. So I guess we're diving into at least one uh, chapter. I don't... I can't say I'm an expert on this by any means, and we are using some footnotes because that's where it's at. Verse 7, And behold, the book shall be sealed, and in the book shall be a revelation from God from the beginning of the world to the end of thereof. Let's go to 7a, which is actually going to take us to ether. So this is the sealed, and behold, the book shall be sealed. So this is taking us to Ether 3, verse 27. And this is after the brother of Jared has seen the finger of God, and then he sees Jesus Christ and gets to learn a whole bunch of awesome things because of his faith. So it says, and the Lord said unto him, write these things and seal them up. And I will show them in mine own due time unto the children of men. And uh, I think it's cool because we get to like, we, we get those words from the brother of Jared and his things, but what, what is sealed up? Do we get everything that he had sealed up or not? How many scriptures do we not have? <laughs> so, and then in verse nine, and the book shall be delivered unto a man, and he shall deliver the words of the book, which are the words of those who have slumbered in the dust, and he shall deliver their words unto another. Okay, this is talking about Joseph Smith. And this one, the footnote takes us to Joseph Smith history, verse 64. And it's a really long verse, but I'm going to read it. So this is um, Martin Harris is talking right here. I went to the city of New York and presented the the characters which had been translated with the translation thereof to Professor Charles Anton, a gentleman celebrated for his literary 
attainments. Professor Anton stated that the translation was correct, more so than he had um, he had before seen translated from the Egyptian. I then showed him those which were not yet translated, and he said that they were Egyptian. Oh, I'm not going to get all these words right. Chaldic, Assyric, and Arabic, and he said they were true characters. He gave me a certificate certifying to the people Palmyra that they were true characters and that the translation of such of them as had been translated was also correct. I took the certificate and put it into my pocket and was just leaving the house when Mr. Anthon called me back and asked me how the young man found out that there was gold plates in the place where he found them. I answered that an angel of God had revealed them unto me. He then said unto me, let me see that certificate. I accordingly took it out of my pocket and gave it to him. When he took it and tore it to pieces, saying that there was no such thing now as ministering of angels, and that if I would bring the plates to him, he would translate them. I informed him that the part of the plates were sealed and that I was forbidden to bring them. He replied, I cannot read a sealed book. I left him and went to Mr. Mitchell, who sanctioned what Professor Anton had said, respecting both the characters and the translation. I love when we get to see the scriptures fulfilled. I think it's, I don't know, I just think it's incredible. So, um, and he shall deliver these words unto another. So they deliver them and it keeps going and says basically exactly what happens. So they shall testify of the truth of the book and the things therein according to the will of God and bear testimony. So these in verse 12 and 13, which I was just reading quickly, according to the will of God, to bear testimony of his words unto the children of men. For the Lord God has said that the words of the faithful should speak as if it were from the dead. So we have these scriptures that Joseph Smith finds and translates and gets a official certificate that they had been translated correctly and all of these things. And then as soon as he finds out what it's for, it's gone. The tra- That certificate is gone. And then Jesus Christ always has a plan. <laughs> and so He's going to have witnesses. That's what verses 12 and 13 is about the witnesses. And we read their testimonies. And I love that we have these witnesses at the beginning of this book. And that is one reason it's so important to read them because it is part of the scripture that is being fulfilled that we are reading, that there would be witnesses to the plates and to Joseph Smith translating them and different things like that. And it's so, it's so, so important to have more than one witness and God provides that. Verse 21, he even says, I am able to do mine own work. And verse 23, I am God. I am a God of miracles. So his work is going to get done. It's not going to be stopped. And we learn that over and over in our early church history. And even today, it's trying to be stopped and it won't be stopped. All right. So verse 26 of chapter 27, therefore I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people. Yea, a marvelous work and wonder for the wisdom of their wise and learned shall perish and the understanding of their prudent shall be hid. Marvelous work and a wonder that is repeated over and over again in these verses. And he is doing a marvelous work. The restoration of the gospel is his marvelous work, and it is beautiful to be able to be a part of it. 
All right. Our last section we're going to talk about is section or sorry, chapter 29. We're going to start in. Well, yeah, verse five. So he's talking about how there's going to be people that say a Bible, a Bible. We've already got a Bible. There cannot be any more Bible for the Lord. For I, the Lord, have not forgotten my people is his response to all this. Okay, so verse five, they is where he says that, that he has not forgotten his people. And he talks about you've cursed them and have hated them and have sought them. And sometimes it feels like I can't imagine, especially so many were persecuted when the church first was restored. But I think there's a lot of persecution now and we don't always recognize or see it. And I think it's important to remember that the Lord has not forgotten his people. He is here for us and he will continue to be here for us. So we're going to read verse seven and eight. Know ye not that there are more nations than one? Know ye not that I, the Lord, your God, have created all men, that I remember those who are in the isles of the sea, that I rule in the heavens above and in the earth beneath, and I bring forth my word unto the children of men, yea, even unto all the nations of the earth. Wherefore, murmur ye, because ye shall receive more of my word. Know ye not that the testimony of two nations is a witness unto you, that I am God, and that I remember one nation like unto another. Wherefore, I speak the same words unto one nation like unto another. And when the two nations shall run together, the testimony of the two nations shall run together also. The testimony of two nations is a witness unto you that I am God. They speak the same word. He speaks the same word unto one nation like unto the other. And when the two nations shall run together, the testimony of the two nations shall run together. I think that's so powerful. He says the same thing because he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He testifies of the same things. And we see that in the Book of Mormon. Jesus Christ is testified of over and over in his life, in his miracles. And it runs together with the Bible. They are supposed to be used together. There's so much overlap. It's so wonderful. I just, I love it. For my work is not yet finished, he says in nine. Because I have spoken one word, you see not suppose that I cannot speak another. For my work is not yet finished. Neither shall it be until the end of man, neither from that time henceforth and forever. Wherefore, because that ye have a Bible, ye need not suppose that it contains all my words. Neither need you suppose that I have not yet caused more to be written. For out of the books which shall be written, I will judge the world, even every man according to the works. He has more to say to us. I, We know that there is more scripture too. And so it's just fascinating. But even our current prophets and apostles, that is current revelation and current words from God. And so we know he's not done speaking to us because he is still speaking to us. And I just think that's so powerful. The Book of Mormon and the Bible work together and they are meant to be together. And I just, I think it's so wonderful. And in verse 12, he says, and behold, I speak unto the Jews and they shall write it. And I shall also speak unto the Nephites and they shall write it. And I shall also speak unto the other tribes of the house of Israel, which I have led away and they shall write it. And I shall also speak unto all nations of the earth and they shall write it. And 
And he continues, and it shall come to pass that the Jews shall have the words of the Nephites and the Nephites shall have the words of the Jews and the Nephites and the Jews shall have the words of the lost tribes of Israel and the lost tribes of Israel shall have the words of the Nephites and the Jews. And it shall come to pass that my people, which are the house of Israel, shall be gathered home unto the land of their possession and my word also shall be gathered in one. And I will show unto them that write against my words and against my people who are of the house of Israel that I am God. And I covenanted with Abraham that I would remember his seed forever. And in those footnotes, it says gathering of Israel. And I I love this chapter. <laughs> I just think it's so wonderful. It's such a huge testimony of the importance of the Book of Mormon and the importance of this, the, it, that it's another testament of Jesus Christ because that's its purpose. Its purpose is to testify of Jesus Christ and of his atonement and his love and his work. And it does. And I'm so grateful for that. So thanks for watching, listening today. Hope you have a great day. Thanks.